What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the PDR Coach Podcast. Uh, today, I had originally set up to talk about the pricing guide and what it means, how it works, and what um, the benefits are of it. Um, I had about a 10 or 12 minute podcast, just like some of my other ones, um, kind of spelled out how, what the, what the pricing guide is, how it works and, you know, kind of challenge some of the ideas of, do you have to charge everything on the price guide? How can you use the price guide to your advantage, even in situations where you're not going to get top dollar, et cetera. Um, so I had that all set to come out Wednesday, May 15th or May 13th. Um, and then randomly Paul Corden had texted me and said, Hey, I'm enjoying the podcast. Keep it up. And I said, you know what, actually, while I have you on the text message, um, if the text message is here, I'm releasing a podcast next week about the pricing guide and who better to discuss the pricing guide than the person whose name is on the price guide. Um, so he was gracious enough to come on, um, today on Tuesday while I'm recording this and, in just a couple days notice and the discussion was so good. I'm so excited about it and I think their value is so massive and it's almost an hour long that I decided to just completely scrap what I had done because we basically cover everything I talked about in um, the podcast that I did solo uh, with Paul Corden. So I'm super excited about it. I think I asked him some good questions. We dig into the mindset, um, kind of how to use the pricing guide. And if you aren't using the pricing guide, some of the things you can do to change your mindset around it to be able to utilize it to its full benefit. Um, So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast with Paul Corden. And if you see a lot of value in something like this and learning how to change your mindset around it, reach out to me, find me on Instagram at DenproSack or reach out to me on my website, which you can hear at the end of the podcast. And let's have a conversation. Let's hop on the phone and see if it's something I can help you with in your business, implementing um, the strategies and tactics around the PDR price guide to grow your business and make it what you want it to be. All right. Um, now here we go with Paul Corden. Enjoy. What is the biggest problem affecting your PDR business? What is the one thing holding you back from taking the next step? What do you need to change to get the business growth you want? All these questions have the same answer. It's your mindset. My name is Corey Kleinfeld, and this is the PDR coach podcast where I coach you on mindset around yourself and your PDR business. Now let's get started. And welcome to the PDR Coach Podcast today, Paul Corden. What's up, man? Hey, what's happening? Good to awesome. be with you, Corey. Yeah, man, I'm super excited. So I had I had re, um, recorded a podcast about the pricing guide um, a while ago, and now you reached out to me and I said, hey, let's get you on. I have my thoughts on the pricing guide, but who better to talk about the pricing guide? Give us perspective, give us clarity on it than the guy's name who is literally on the pricing guide. So we set this up kind of last minute, but we're going to rock and roll into it and we're going to get you guys some good info. So I like to start back in the beginning. Um, How did you get into PDR? Where did you learn it? Were you always a full retail tech? Just kind of run us through that story, get us started. Yeah, great. So uh, about, I don't know, I would say uh, shortly after I got married, this is back in 19, it would have been 1998, 99. um, I was working, selling education loans, and it wasn't really my thing. I was sitting behind a desk for eight hours a day, typing in people's information and then telling them whether they got their loan or not. And a friend of mine who was doing paintless dent repair invited me to take a look at what he was doing. 
And um, so I did a kind of a drive, drive along with him and uh, saw what he did. And, and I thought it seemed really interesting to me. Uh, but probably the biggest thing that drew me to it was the, the immediate gratification in the work, right? So I would see him fix a ding, write an invoice, and then go home at the end of the day and count all the invoices of all the dents he had fixed. And I was like, man, that's, that's sweet. You can see your, your product. You could see you know, what you've produced that day. And so that, that was really was a draw to me. And then obviously kind of the freedom of being able to you know, bounce around lots and body shops and things like that and meet new people. And uh, I'm a people person, so I, I didn't appreciate that aspect of it. So um, I interviewed and uh, with a local company here in Virginia called Dent Masters. Brad Hodson was the owner. And um, Brad gave me a shot. He uh, brought me into the company, trained me. And uh, the rest is history. I, I stayed with that local company for about 19 years and uh, finished in uh, the flagship retail location that they had and then moved on from there in 2018 to become an independent tech who chased hail and also uh, eventually joined forces with my brother and a local shop that we have here now in Northern Virginia as well. So nice. So that's a range then. So yeah, you started, did the training at the, you know, kind of big local company and you were, were you always full retail or did you do wholesale there as well? to start out and then ended full retail in the flagship location? Yeah, I I actually did a little bit of everything. So when I started, uh, I was for the most part a route tech and uh, grew that route and eventually added more people to that route. And then in about 2008, uh, the economy tanked around here, Uh, probably not as bad as other areas, but we we took a hit and I lost a big account, excuse me. And uh, I decided I'm, I'm done driving an hour plus to, to an area where I lost a big account and I handed the rest of the accounts off to the other guys. And I said, I'm going back to, you know, my home County and I'm gonna see if I can develop some stuff there. And that's kind of how I ended up back in Virginia as I was in Maryland at the time running a route. I just going over the border there and, and running around and I came back to Virginia and started running around there and eventually ended up in retail. So over the course of the years, I've done everything, you know, from, uh, exotic and classic dealers and wholesale, you know, just regular wholesale, you know, uh, used Honda lots and things like that to um, manage to, uh, to run a route through a bunch of body shops that I had and uh, just, you know, handled retail on an on-site basis, you know, um, offering mobile service for the most part when I was a route tech and then eventually worked my way into a retail shop where uh, that particular shop had not been run as a retail shop up until that point. But one of my goals was to develop it into a standalone everything that we did would come to the shop rather than, you know, going out and, and doing one at a body shop here and hitting a dealership there. And then, you know, um, going to the shop when something was scheduled, we just scheduled it out and uh, kept a full shop pretty much. That's fascinating. And now, so the last two years have been hail. So really, I mean, there's probably not a lot of guys that have done all of that. I mean, from the wholesale lots to the luxury dealers, to the body shops, to the retail shops, to the hail chasing. Okay. So we got that covered. Paul Corden knows how to fix dents. All right. Um, so we probably heard about you. Oh, there's, I mean, there's guys that have, that are listening to this podcast um, that are vets and guys that are brand new or probably haven't even started yet. And I know there's a few of them out there. So when I started first hearing about you, I mean, I've been doing this for about 15 years. When I started first hearing about you, I don't, I don't know the exact time, five, six years ago, you were in the retail setting. You were in the shop taking a lot of cars in. Um, but Paul Corden's name is on the pricing guide. He helped or solely, I'm, I'm not sure, develop the pricing guide. My question, where did it come from? Where did the idea of it come from? Were you sol- trying to solve a, a problem? And then why did it become so influential to like kind of spread through the industry? 
Well, uh, so it, where it came from was really a, a need in my own day-to-day operations, right? So I was doing, I was, my retail began to pick up as a route tech and then um, carrying that on into becoming a retail shop tech. And I found myself having a lot of customers come in with larger than uh, just a door ding type of damage. And I needed a way to consistently estimate that stuff based on some data or criteria. I, I was tired of just guess, you know, guessing what that would be or, or telling a customer what the price would be based on how I felt or what I thought about it. Uh, knowing that I could fix it, knowing that I could do a good job, but trying to value your own um, worth as a technician uh, without some sort of criteria or, or um, framework is really hard to do because you know, yeah, I, I might think that dent is worth 400 bucks, but I have no way of justifying that in front of the customer. And then the guy down the street might think that's a $200 dent. That's worth to him. So I found myself kind of in a position where I needed, um, I needed a way, a process for estimating damage consistently um, that would also value it the way that I felt it should be valued. And so um, I basically kind of developed what we know now as the price guide uh, based on three basic things, right? You take the size of the damage uh, plus any of the factors or variables that affect the damage. And then you add any R&I to that that you might need to do. And that's how you get your total. So when I train guys on, on this stuff, uh, I'll tell them size plus factors plus R&I equals your total, right? It's a real simple process. Um, I happen to assign dollar figures to the sizes of the dents in, in my guide. And um, how that came about to become more widely spread to answer your second, second part of your question was... Um, I started to see guys posting uh, pictures and video damage that they fixed and it were great repairs. I mean, a lot of talent out there and uh, we would always inevitably get into the conversation about what did you charge for that dent? How much? And how I found long, that, right? How much? How yeah. Long? That's exactly right. And, and a lot of these guys who are doing great work and maybe they had been in the game for a while were just charging these, in my opinion, what was, what was just an egregiously low price for the damage and the quality of the work they were putting out. And, I started to challenge that a little bit, ask some questions, and I would then post some stuff that I would fix and kind of give them the price on that. And uh, sorry about the dog there. And, uh, and, and we would get into this conversation and guys would go, you know, you're crazy for charging those prices. I don't know how you do that. I couldn't do that in my market. And those conversations turned into, well, how are you getting to those prices? Which turned into, here's what I use. Here's my guide. And, uh, and, and eventually that ended up being built into the algorithms in Mobile Tech RX, which is where we find ourselves today. That's huge. And so to go back to those, just to take a couple points of what you said, um, five, how many years has it been? Do you know? Five, six? Uh, yeah, so, I, so I think I was, I mean, I think I was probably working with price guides about eight, probably eight years ago okay. personally is when I really started to use it and implement it more in my own uh, business. But so let's say quick. main mainstream, yeah, mainstream. Catch on to it. Yeah, mainstream five six years ago, and like you said before, you would say people would say, "I can't get that in my market. That's not possible here." All that, and when I when I hear that, I hear limiting beliefs. I hear that they don't know how to charge those prices, or they don't think that their skill or themselves are worthy of getting those prices. And so that's when I, cause I always do this. I bring it back to the mindset game and that's, that's where it lands. And so um, everybody like 
we want everybody to use the price guide. We, we say like, look at the prices here. Like they're way more than what you're getting. Don't you want to charge way more for the same repairs? Like you want that, right? You want to make twice as much money and do the same stuff. But not everyone does it. Five, six, seven, eight years later, there's still thousands of technicians out there that have one not heard of it or even worse, have heard of it, but still don't use it or use part of it or whatever. Why? Like, where does it come from? What's the mindset behind that? What holds people back, in your opinion, from using the price guide on the repairs? That's a great question. So in my opinion, I think, I think what holds people back the most is that, especially when you've done something a certain way for so long and it just works for you, whether or not um, in relation to the rest of the industry, it's considered good or successful or quote unquote that it's working. But if it works for you in your particular business, it's very hard to come to a place where you're accepting that maybe I should learn something more. Maybe I should change. So I think that I don't think it's necessarily a fear of change. Honestly, I think it can probably be boiled down to maybe a bit of laziness on our part. You know, I, I can be included in that. It's if something does not, if it's working and I know that the pain of changing is going to be greater than the pain of staying the same, then more than likely I'm going to stay the same, right? Because to me, it's not worth it to change. Um, and that's a big, that is a big mindset challenge. I mean, quite frankly, to get over the hump of, I know this is going to be work. It, I know I'm going to have to explain it to some older customers who have been charging X amount of dollars for so many years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know that this is going to require some explanation and some education, some training. I mean, that takes a lot of work, quite frankly, just talking through those processes, helping people get, come along and understand the why behind it is not easy. It's not just, Hey, my price is this and that's it. There are many times with customers, I'll have to explain exactly why the price is what it is and what goes into it. And, and it's amazing how many customers are willing to pay much higher prices in order to have their damage fixed uh, when we take the time to educate them. So I think um, if you boil it down, that's it. I think people are sometimes too lazy or afraid to change. And so they don't, they just stay the same. So from a coaching perspective, um, working with my clients, what I've learned over the years is that you, everyone has an identity. We are built on our thoughts and beliefs about ourselves. And so a lot of people growing up, maybe more in particular areas or from their parents or their own beliefs, like they, you know, making 50, 60, 70,000, $80,000 $80, a year as a business owner is a phenomenal proposition. And so what we're trying to make the case of is I think, I think I do believe that if you're in this business and you can fix dents really well and you're working full time, there's no reason why you shouldn't make well into the six figures as far as business revenue. Um, but the problem becomes there is that if you need, in order to become somebody who makes into that six figures, you actually have to leave and become a different person. You have to leave the person that is makes $70,000 a year revenue in their business. So it's not just growing from that person. You have to leave the 70 and then make your way to the 120 or the 150 or hire the person and go to the 200 and keep growing that business. So you actually, it's part laziness, but it's also part fear and part like I have to do a ton of work on myself to act like someone who makes this much money as a business. And I think that definitely um, scares a lot of people into not doing it. And that's the kind of stuff that I, I can identify and help them figure out why they're going there and how they can overcome that to, to move forward. Um, yeah. And I, I think there's a pretty big gap between um, what someone's expectations and desires are versus what the potential is. Right. So I think a lot of us decide that our expectation is we want to make X a year when we first start out. Matter of fact, I just had a conversation. This is a great example. I had a conversation with a good friend of mine 
who is a very, very successful. He's a personal friend as well as a, an, a business acquaintance. And uh, he's, he's one of the most probably successful Dent guys that I know as far as being able to produce and earn income. That's very, very, very good. And um, he said, when I started training, he said, I remember uh, the guy who was hiring me asking me, well, what do you want to make? Uh, or or he, he asked, what do you think you can make and what do you want to make? And he said, well, you know, I, I, I think I can make $30,000 a year and I hope I can. And he said, I'd love to make, you know, $100,000 a year. And um, this gentleman who hired him knowing what, it, you know, a tech could produce, a good tech could produce, just laughed and said, I think we can get you to $30,000 a year, right? So, so what, we, what our expectation is and what our desires are sometimes are very different uh, than what our potential is. And unless somebody helps to cast the vision of what the potential is, it, it, some, some people are just truly maybe left in the dark. You know, uh, for, for those guys who have been in their bubble and we all were honestly, quite frankly, before social media, many of us were just in our own little bubble, not having no idea what other guys around us were doing. Not even the guys, guys in the next city over, because we may not have even known that another guy was there. Yeah. Even in the same city, you're right. And, uh, it's only when we became exposed to new ideas and information and that those expectations maybe began to be set a little bit differently for ourselves. You know, we saw that the guy in the next city over was doing better. He, he was averaging higher than us. He was getting better clients than us. And we wanted to know why. Maybe there was some genuine interest in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, so I think there's a gap between what we expect and what we, um, what we desire and then what our potential is. But we need somebody to help guide us. We need some uh, other information, some outside information to help show us that maybe there's a different way and maybe there's another uh, a thing to shoot for besides what we think in our own minds, you know, a hundred, a hundred percent agree with that. And the potential is within, there's so much more potential within people than they give themselves credit for. Um, and that's, and that's why I appreciate people like you. And I just had Bryce Kelly on last week and he's showing us the potential of what we can fix, right? Like every oh, yeah, person yeah. that's seen Bryce Kelly do stuff is like, damn it. Yeah. Now, next time I see that dent. I have to know that I know it's possible now. And it's like, can I do it? Do I accept the challenge or not? Right. So, so a little yeah. bit of gratitude, a little bit of frustration for Bryce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, the guy's a phenomenal technician, man. He's, right. he's awesome. And a super good guy. Super good guy. Really, really cool dude. I'm glad that we were able to talk. So this is a little taboo and people don't like talking about this, but I'm going to ask you if you don't want to say it, that's fine. But, um, with the right skill set, with the right amount of training, with the right amount of experiences in the business, the tooling, all that stuff, when you say someone makes a good income, what does that mean? You don't have to share your specific person that you know, but like I've always, I, people wonder that. Like, is it what's a good income for a route technician? What's a good income for a hail technician? I know a lot of guys are scared to talk about that because it can, create like basically some in too much interest in the PDR business, I guess, where people like buy a set of tools online and think that they can make $200,000 a year or whatever that number is. And I caution, I'm, I'm cautious to do this, but I do think it's an important thing to talk about. Like what is the potential right now? Like with someone of their own two hands in the retail world, what is the potential? So I, I think the potential is great. I, I quite frankly, I don't, I don't know if I can answer what I think the cap on our potential is because I don't know if it's been realized. I agree. And it comes, you gotta understand our industry covers a pretty wide uh, array of opportunities. So you have 
the basic opportunity of a, of a new tech who's getting into the wholesale market. Um, and then it can swing all the way over to the, the hail guy who turns broker and now has a bunch of guys working for him. Right. Absolutely. So there's a pretty wide gap. I mean, you could have I guys with your own two hands. Yeah. As far as so not we, building a business with 20 guys yeah. under you, that's a whole, that's a multimillion. That's fantastic. And I encourage that. On, on an annual basis, I think it's, I think it should be relatively easy for a technician to hit six figures mm-hmm. uh, with their own two hands. I think so. Um, and I think that the potential is greater than just hitting the low two, six figures. I think the opportunity is there. Um, but it also, there's, a, there's also a wide array, array of um, what markets somebody is shooting for to do that. You know, if you're shooting hit six figures in the wholesale market, you're, you know you're going to touch a lot of metal, right? And you know you're probably not going to fix every dent perfectly because it, you may not be getting the price to do that, um, which is how you stock that volume up. But uh, if you want to hit six figures in the retail market, you know you're probably going to spend less time on metal, um, a little bit more time selling, and um, you're going to take more time on your repairs to make sure that they're glassed out and they're perfect yeah. um, to deliver that to, to a retail quality. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you think the potential is there. I think, I think, I think if, if you have a lot of experience in this industry and you can fix dents to a really good level, um, and you know, you can make a lot of stuff perfect, then six figures is definitely within reach for every person in every market. I totally agree with that. Over 200, 250, yeah. 300 with your two hands, depending on how much you want to work, um, is definitely possible. And that should, I want that to get people excited, not to, not to, buy a set of tools online and go start charging people money, but just to know that you can get there because if you're going to do the, the route where you buy people, buy tools and go start charging people money and you don't have the skills. Yes. Maybe you will make a lot of money real quick, but it will not last. I guarantee you that it will not last. Um, so if I can speak to that last thing you just said, um, you know, I, I have a lot of people who've asked me over the years, well, well, how much can you make doing this, you know, PDR thing? And, and I always tell them, listen, I, you know, truthfully, I, I personally believe that, you can make uh, really good money doing almost any trade or skill, right? It kind of depends on how much you want to put into your trade, your skill, and then how hard you want to work. I mean, there are guys I know who have much greater potential than what they, they do, um, what they actually produce because they choose to either live a, a lifestyle business where they only work about a half a day, uh, you know, five days a week. And, and then there are guys who I know that will work six days a week and put 12 hour days in and, and kill it. I mean, yeah. both same potential in both guys, just one of them is choosing to execute a different way. And that's fantastic. I fully, I fully support that. The people that, people that I've coached, there's people that want to work three days a week and do guitar lessons on Fridays with, you know, with a little side business with clients. And there's guys that want to work, you know, 12 hours a day and Saturday and maybe a job on Sunday if they want. And that's there, there is no certain way to do it. That's why the trades and this particular trade are fantastic. Um, so let's, we went on a big tangent and I appreciate that. And I hope that provides a lot of value for people, but obviously part of getting, part of doing six figures is that you're not going to be able to, to drive to someone's house and fix their door ding for 60 bucks. It's not going to get you there. Right. And that, that'll bring us back to the, to the pricing guide. But, um, should every dent be priced using the pricing guide? I mean, is, is it basically like price guide price or nothing? Like I am only charging the price guide this is what I'm worth. If you don't agree with it, pound sand, or is there wiggle room? Yeah. So that's a great question. Uh, my answer to that question is yes and no. And I'll explain. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my opinion, no, you're not going to charge price guide prices for every dent that you do. You're just not going to realize that transaction on every dent. It's not realistic. Um, it's why it's called a guide and not the law. Otherwise I would have named it the pricing law. And, um, 
but yes, in the way that what I've learned about um, establishing the new normal in my market is that I need everybody's eyes, whether I service a body shop, a dealership, a service lane, a detail shop, a retail client, I want everybody's eyes to always be seeing and getting used to what that retail number is supposed to be. So uh, one of the, some of the advice that I give um, to uh, guys who will call me and ask me questions is, hey, listen, if you're going to be doing dents for a body shop, and I'll even tell my own guys this, if you're doing a dent for a body shop, I never, ever want to see just the, uh, whatever the discounted price is that you agree to do it for on the bottom line of the invoice, right? I don't want to see $75 or $150 at the bottom line with no explanation. I always want to see my price is $150 for this door ding, but I'm giving you a 20% discount. And so I'm going to charge you $120. Um, and I'll give you a great example of this. I had, um, one of our employees, great guy, phenomenal technician. And, uh, I saw an invoice come through on a body shop for, I think it was $75. And, uh, and I said, well, I said, that's, I appreciate that, that you gave them a discount. I, I know there are circumstances where maybe they've dinged the fender after they've painted it and they need a, a favor on that. I said, that's great. But here's the problem. Now what we've done is we've established our lowest number in their mind. Now, if they want to go through our invoices and go, well, what's the lowest they'll work for? They know that we'll work for $75. However, if we were consistent and we put a $150 bill on that door ding, and then we discounted it 20, 30, 40, 50%, whatever the discount is, at least they're seeing that our consistency is that that door ding always costs 150. And by doing that and allowing that shop to see the 150 and then see the discounted price, what we're doing is we're establishing to them what our value is. I, 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 what I said is I would never want to see a number on an invoice like that. Again, I would rather you do it for free. Show a $150 charge with a 100% discount than to show a $75 invoice with no previous established value of that, the price of that dent, right? And what we're doing is we're getting our, our, our uh, clients used to seeing what a door ding should cost, at least in our market. I'm not saying everybody should start at 150. I know guys have different opinions on that, yeah. um, but that's yeah. where we are in our market. So there, there's value in helping to turn the ship and train your clients on what normal should be. And, uh, and that's why I, I so recommend making sure you show the full and heaviest charge on that and then go from there with your discount. That's huge. So to clarify, you said yes and no to use the price guide. Yes, you should use the price guide every time, but that does, does that mean you get the price that's written on the guide every time? No, because maybe, yeah, you're calling in a favor. It's whatever. So I think a couple episodes ago, episodes ago, or I've just been thinking about it a lot. I've been relating the price guide to the MSRP on a vehicle basically. So does the, does a vehicle cost the same, you know, a Toyota in, in California versus Virginia or where are you right now? Virginia, Virginia, yeah, yeah. California, Virginia, the MSRP is the same, but the car that I buy in California may not be the same or the purchase price may not be the same that Paul gets over there because, but they're really good at like, here's the MSRP, but here's the discount and the rebate and the, this and the, da, da, da. so like if we can set our rates as an industry is like, here's our MSRP. Here's our price guide. Like we'll discount if we have to, that's fine. Like if you need a favor or whatever, but when it comes back to like, what do we charge? That's the big number. Like that's the high number. So I love, I love the way that you, um, and, and I, I'll tell you, I'll challenge guys out there that if they began to do that consistently, I think what you would find is you'd be surprised to find how many people will say, yes, let's do that to the first number without a negotiation or without a request for discount. 
it's still even now 21 years into this business blows my mind when we just throw that first high heavy price out there and somebody says yes and what we're learning by that every time someone says yes to that first number we're learning what our markets are willing to our, our market's tolerance for our pricing is you know what i mean we're learning that well we we can fix a single dent in a door for three thousand dollars right that's what, what our market is teaching us that that happens um so that's really important to, I would say, at least test that, test your market, you know, at least start giving them the option to say yes to your highest price. And then you can always go down from there. It's very hard to undo a, a low price at the beginning. You know? Absolutely. And, and if you choose to raise your prices and do that, and you don't get the yes in your market because your market is different, maybe it's an excuse, maybe it's the truth. Maybe you live in a very rural area and there are 10,000 people that live there and you're trying to establish a business. No one can pay $3,000 for one instead. Okay, if that's established. But my question would be, have you, charged, have you tried to charge somebody that for one, right? And something I asked one of my clients the other day is, how, how many times do you get a no? And he's like, oh, I never, like no one ever says no to my pricing. I'm like, it's too low. It's way too low. Like you need some no's. Like you need to push the limits a little bit and understand where, you don't know where your threshold is. If no one ever says no because you're charging $75 for a dent and $90 if it's it's a three inch dent or something, like no one's going to say no to that. But if you can gather up those no's, then you can start finding out where that threshold is that works for your market, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. No, nope, makes perfect sense. I'll tell you, I'll use the I'll use the inverse of the example that you were just mentioning with uh, okay. the price of a car in our different markets, right? Yeah. So um, I'll have a lot of guys say, "Well, I can't get that price in in my market," and I and I typically say to them, within reason. You and I both know that our dealers run different incentives, right? Mm-hmm. So in general, the MSRP is going to be the same. But if you wanted to buy a, uh, I was just working in Oklahoma earlier um, uh, this month. And uh, the example I used with the company I was working with is if I were to go buy a Mercedes, I said, do you have a Mercedes dealership in, in Oklahoma? And they said, yes, we have one in our city. Great. Well, if I were to go to my Mercedes dealership in Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., the median income in our county is $140,000 per household. So very high. Yeah. The median income in the town I was working in was $60,000 a household. Mm-hmm. I said, but we both have Mercedes dealers. And if we were both to go buy a C-class Mercedes, we would both pay about the same, right? Relatively speaking, mm-hmm. right? The incentives would be different. The rebates might be a little different. Dealer group from dealer, dealer group might be a little different. Um, but in general, we would pay the same and we'd pay the same to maintain that car for the most part mm-hmm. within reason. And we'd pay the same to repair that car within reason. And so if that's the case, that means there is a market in your town that can afford that C-class Mercedes the same way that there's a market in my town that can. And so why in the automotive world are your prices starting at 75 or I've heard of cases where everything retail prices start at 45 and mine start at 150. You know, why is it that you're telling me you can't get that? I think for the most part, that is a mindset challenge for people. That is a, uh, they've got a little bit of head trash that they really need to work through, you know? Yeah, that's that's a fantastic perspective and definitely a little bit of a different way to see it is that there is a, maybe, maybe there's not as many people, but there are people to do that. And so, and, but then you come into the thing where it's like, okay, well, I can't charge 150 blah, blah, or I don't know how to find those customers. I don't know how to do that. Well, that's the mindset game. That's the growth. That's the like, not stop asking, stop telling yourself those people don't exist. Start asking yourself, how do I find those people? Right. And then you will start to do that. And there is no shame in, in the guy who says, you know what, here's the client that I want. I want the client that I'm going to uh, basically sell improvements to for low, low cost. That is a legitimate business model. 
I, I do not poo poo on that. Um, but if, if you're telling me that you want to be a high quality retail tech, then I'm going to tell you two things. Number one, price, price yourself for the customers that you want. And then number two, you will probably have to sell uh, the value of what you're doing a little bit harder than you might have to with, you know, the, uh, the low and go pricing. So it just is a matter of choosing what model do you want to build your business on? And there's no right or wrong there. It's just as simple as what do you, what do you want to do? And, and I think there's a, a pretty wide desire for guys to be in the retail market. I mean, I've seen it grow immensely in the last five to seven years or so. I hear of guys opening shops every day and, and you know, calling me, asking me advice and my thoughts on this, that, or the other thing. And it's, it's pretty awesome to see. It's really cool. That's really, I mean, that's really where P, the PR industry will grow. I mean, I did an episode that said, our, what's the biggest problem in our industry? And the biggest problem is that people don't know about us. You know, I mean, I don't know the percentage, but it's very low of the 2.5 million people that live in Sacramento. And between all of the dent companies, maybe we do, you know, five to 10,000 retail appointments a year. And there's a bunch of big chunk of people that will never get dent repair done. They don't value it. That's totally fine. But what about the tens of thousands of cars that go to the body shop that could easily go to a dent guy and they can save them time, money, Carfax, painting, you know, the list goes on with that. And so, and that's huge. And I think that's where the, that's when I see guys coming into the industry and I see guys getting more training and buying new tools and all that stuff. Then I know that that capacity for retail work will, will expand. And then the customers will come too, because if you have, if there was 10 guys looking for retail jobs in your market and now there's 20, you know, there's only a certain amount of customers go around. People would say, but that's not true. There's still, there's still more to find. And I think the more people we have, the more, the more customers will come out of the woodworks as we all do our part in advertising, educating, teaching, et cetera. Yeah. Um, if someone wants to play in the, in the not perfect world, if they're like, I do wholesale and then I do some retail stuff on the side, like, can they still use the pricing guide and how can they help use the pricing guide to their advantage in that situation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that, you know, if you use the price guide in a scenario like that, you want to use the price guide to establish what the norm is. Okay. Around the nation, Mr. Uh, you know, body shop owner or dealership manager, uh, here's what guys all around the country are using and how uh, they price dents like this. Um, for instance, in a wholesale deal, what we do is we started our retail price. And then what we do is we uh, basically give a volume discount uh, based on the car count and um, cars per month. How many cars per month do you think you're going to be pushing our way on, on a wholesale gate? We handle a few dealers uh, back home that uh, we handle. And, um, you know, that, that volume, as that volume increases, will come down on our price per unit so that uh, they have a, a bit of a discount built in for the volumes, like most guys do. But yeah. we've established our, our pricing with based on the, the initial price guide prices, right? Um, as a matter of fact, after uh, there's some criteria that we have on those cars, we will only fix dents up to, uh, mm -hmm. I think it's three inches and then, uh, we'll only, we'll cap it at a certain number of panels per car. And after that, uh, it starts to get into the retail pricing category and basically everything after three inches goes to a retail price. And, uh, we will build in a discount on those prices for the dealer. Um, most of them are at 20%. So, uh, we'll charge a retail, we'll write a retail estimate on a large dent. And remember, and I'll give you a great example of this. Remember that most of these dealers uh, are used to having the door ding guy say, nope, I can't fix that one. It's outside of the criteria. And by the way, I'm not even going to price it for you. I just kick it to the body shop because I have 12 other wholesale cars that I got to knock the dings out of today, right? So most of the door dingers don't want to do that. 
And um, a great example of that is uh, we just had a meeting with a BMW dealer who just onboarded us. Um, and uh, they uh, were using somebody else. They weren't able to service them during the coronavirus, and we were still open and operating five minutes from where they are. We said yes, and, and uh, we started to talk to the manager and said, hey, so what's your, what's your solution if there are dents that we can't or don't fix? And she said, well, I have a body shop I send them to, and, and we asked some more questions, and it turns out that that body shop has her at a flat rate, and uh, she pays uh, $450 for a, any panel that they fix, and up to, uh, I believe it was seven eighty-five for any panel that they fix and also needs a blend. Hmm. So now I, I looked at that situation and said, okay, well, we have $785 to work with. How many dents on a wholesale unit can we, up to what size could I fix for $780 if the volume is there? Quite a few, I would imagine. A lot, a lot. So, so what I suggested to the manager, and she thought it was a great idea, I said, before you send anything to your body shop, I said, we handle a lot of large damage. I said, run it through us first to see if we can save you from having to paint it and going through the whole body shop process. And then you keep the original paint. We turn it around in a day and it's back in your front line ready to sell because you don't want that car down for three to five days, which is on average what it takes them. And she was like, I love that idea. That's great. And that's the gap. That's the opportunity, the Delta that we currently have in any dealer that you're working. Now it will take some more time to fix a larger dent on a panel. I get that. But if the money is right, then you can, I'm sure, figure out a way to make the time to get that dent done, even if you're having to push some longer hours or whatever. And all of a sudden, you start capturing, you know, double, triple what your revenue was at that same dealer, just yeah, taking on some different huge, huge. And I talked to Bryce, Bryce about this a little bit too, I think on the podcast. And sometimes you got to get the price first before you're willing to put the time in on the dent, right? I mean, there's, okay. I mean, you have it in your head. Like, can you fix that dent? No at $200. But like, if you, if I can teach the guy that does the wholesale, like, well, what if I got you $700? Like you bill about 750 a day or 600 bucks a day. What if I got you 700 bucks on the one dent? Then could you fix it? Like, Oh, that's yeah. Spend all day on that thing. I'm like, okay, do it. Try it. Right. What do you don't say? No. What are you waiting for? Like that's, and that's how I got good. Like I started, I've been doing this 15 years when I was a teenager. I started in my dad's business. I was just doing all wholesale. Basically we weren't even really a big retail company at all. Um, at the time we do like whole, the wholesale dealer would be like, Hey, the customer wants a dent fix, go to their house. We do that. We did a bunch of body shops, but that's how I cut my teeth. It was like, okay, I'll charge you two fifty or 400 bucks. Like all these numbers I thought were like crazy at the time. I'm like, they're never going to say this. You're like, Oh yeah, absolutely. This is like 10 years ago before I knew like body shops were charging and all those types of things. Right. And that's how I got good though, because like, shit, I'm getting, I'm getting 400 bucks for this thing. I'm doing whatever it takes to like find a new way to leverage or take stuff apart. You learn how to take stuff apart. And so right. that's what I think for a lot of guys is that like sometimes, sometimes the growth happens after you push yourself outside of your comfort zone on the pricing and then you'll follow with the skills. The skills are there. You just got to figure out how to use them and that, and that, that the incentive of money, which really what profit that's money. That's what, that's what it is. It is incentive to do something. It will drive you further than most things. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, re revenue is the reward for the work that we do on this stuff. And if you can get, you know, I, I remember uh, I did a single dent. It was now it was an Aston Martin, but this customer came in and said, I don't care how long it takes or what it costs. I said, he said, I want this dent fixed without painting. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, okay, I, I don't know if I'll be able to do it, but I'm going to sure give it a shot. And uh, I called him and I said, here's what I need to fix the dent. I think I, it was a $5,000 repair, single dent on a quarter panel. And uh, I said, but here's the deal. I need the, I need the dealership to pull it apart and bring it up here and then I'll fix it. And um, he agreed, no questions asked. 
And uh, you better believe for five grand on that single dent, I was going to take my time to make sure that thing was glassed out. I was going to do whatever I had to do, really cautious, just working, you know, to avoid pulling any pain or, or, or messing anything up. And it, that was a, that was an easy transaction. Quite frankly, it was really easy. I just said, this is the cost. And he said, do it. And we fixed it. But you better believe it. I was willing to take my time and spend an entire day or more. I want to say that one took me about a day and a quarter or so um, over the course of two days uh, to fix that dent because it was paying me plenty. And then on the back side of that, yeah. And then on the back side of that, you learned a ton about dent repair or glue pulling or whatever. And in addition to getting paid to do a job. Absolutely. Um, so let's bring it back to the pricing guide again. Why, why is the pricing guide so effective in selling high price repairs? Like we, way back in the very beginning, you said, you know, the pricing guide was a solution to the problem that dent guys have been doing forever where they, where they look at the dent and they're like, um, two fifty, um, three fifty. And when you do that, you know, basically you're setting yourself up for like, um, three fifty. If I was the customer, I'd be like, um, two fifty. Why not? If we're just picking numbers out of our ass, why don't I just do that? And so maybe I answered the question, but from your perspective, why, why is it, why is it so effective? Like, um, in the selling high price repairs? Uh, so, so two things, I think number one, it does take the, the arbitrary, you know, uh, I think the number should be this. And so I'm going to throw it out there, which opens you wide up for negotiation. You know, it really is just two people throwing numbers back and forth at each other. And, uh, number two, uh, it's, it's a consistent way of mapping out for the customer exactly what goes into a repair, right? Because when you've measured the damage, the, the way that the process works for anybody who hasn't heard it before is what I typically do is I will mark out, I'll use a professional light in a light controlled environment. Uh, and I will look at that damage and mark out or map out that damage using markers on the panel. Then we'll take our measurements. I'll take my photos and document all of this with the measure, you know, magnet rulers or whatever I have sure. available to me. And then we'll take into consideration any of the factors or variables. Some of those factors and variables are things like what kind of metal is it? Is it aluminum? Is it high strength steel? Uh, does the dent fall on a body line? Uh, does the dent fall behind any bracing where it's obstructed? And once I've mapped out for a customer how all of these items go into your repair. It's not just simple, simply we're going to pop a dent out for this price. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. when you say we're going to fix that dent for 250, I think a customer goes, well, why couldn't you do it for 200? Right. That's, that's just a natural human instinct. Um, but when we are showing them, uh, you know, on a, on an organized list item, uh, itemized list of uh, what operations are going into the repair, I think that in depth um, point of view for the customer helps them to see that it's not just a guy with some metal rods popping a dent out. This is a business. This is a professional organization. We use professional tools to estimate this, um, which is where mobile tech RX comes in and does a great job of making us look professional and, and organized. And by the way, you don't just have a dent that needs to be popped out here. You have an eight inch crease in an aluminum fender where we have to remove the wheel and the fender liner in order to get access to it so that we can do an expert job in your car and, and send it like it was never there. Uh, and by the way, all the benefits of that, of PDR, are X, Y, and Z. We can go through those things. Uh, fast cycle time, no loss of value in the vehicle, so on and so forth. Once all of those items have been presented to the customer, it's a lot harder for them to negotiate with. Because number one, there's been a process. Uh, there's a process that's beyond their understanding that goes into estimating the damage. Um, and then number two, 
it's, it's lined out. It's not just, here's the price to pop the dent out. This is an organized repair and here's our repair plan. And this is what it costs to do that repair. And I think when a lot of people see that, um, you know, they understand the value. They understand in this life that we get what we pay for. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think a lot of people can justify when they can see it, they can justify spending money on it. It's the same reason why you and I shop Amazon or walk through the aisles at Target. We want to see what we're buying before we buy it. And when we can show them all that's going into the repair and help justify the reason for the amount of the repair, it's a lot easier for them to swallow that price um, for what they're getting because we've, we've done a good job of helping them understand and map out what they're getting. Absolutely. And then when the next person comes around and, you know, cause inevitably there will be people that look for a lower price. That's fine. So you could either take a factor off, be like, okay, I, I will take off the body line, whatever, or what a factor. And then if you want to close the deal right then and there, but if you want to let them go, then they will, they will get to see the difference. They'll get to see the difference of another technician or somebody else giving a price and how they do it. Like oh, 350, just cause you know, whatever. And so they'll, they'll see the difference and they'll realize not everybody's going to be your customer either, but um, that's how the price guide is so effective in selling higher prices. And I've also found that for whatever reason, we trust computer things. <laughs> I mean, when you can, like, as far as the mobile tech RX, like when I can, when I can show a customer like on my phone, right. Or my tablet in front of them and I'm like, Hey, so we measured it out. You know, it's about seven inches. Um, it goes through a body line, as you can see here, that makes my job harder. Obviously people, that makes sense to people. I found a brace, whatever, like, Oh, she, Oh, this look, the thing said it's, you know, 720 bucks. And it's like, Oh geez, wow. That seems high, whatever. And, but, but when it comes from the mobile tech RX or from the app that generates it, it's much easier received than just coming from the, you know, Oh, how about 350 or, Oh, I measured it seven inches. I charged 400 bucks for seven inch dance or whatever the number is. So I found that very effective too. So now we're advertising for mobile tech RX, which is fine. Um, yeah, I agree. And I think it takes the, I, th- I think it takes the personal sting out of high estimates when uh, th- that number is generated by a third party rather than me. In other words, when I'm just simply discovering with the customer what the price is, it's a totally different feel. You know, we're, we're kind of teammates at that point, kind of diving into what's going on with your car rather than I'm the expert. And by the way, I'm telling you that I'm going to charge you this. No, we can always blame that price on the guide. And then as you said, we can adjust because it is a guide. It's not, it's not the law. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, it's really interesting. The psychology that, that works out on that with customers. It's, it's a much, in my opinion, it's a much easier sell. Um, and one of the things I don't, I, I, I don't do is um, I will never give a discount without a cause, right? Exactly. Um, I'll do something exactly. like you, you mentioned like a takeaway uh, close where, okay, well we, maybe we can drop this yeah. markup or yeah. this factor, or uh, oftentimes I'll attach any discount to a cause, you know, first time customer, repeat customer, uh, military, law enforcement, that kind of thing. So um, I I I never price stays there. I'll give you a discount. Yeah. Military, whatever body shop favor, like, but the price was seven twenty. I'm doing it for six for you. Next time the dent comes, it's still seven twenty. And that's, that's, that's super important and and very effective. Um, When you give a discount without a reason, what you're saying to your customer is that I told you it was worth seven twenty. But what's the truth is that I'll do it for 600. You're not saying there's a reason why I'm doing it for 600. You're just saying, well, I am really negotiable because I told you 720, but I'll do it for six because you asked me for it, right? But if we attach that to a, to a purpose or to a cause, now there's a reason why it's been done at that, that price, not that I'm just negotiable all the time. So 
I, I would highly recommend guys try to attach their discounts to a cause so that we're not just saying one thing and then doing another. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge info right there. That's big. And I, I've, I've definitely failed on that too before. Um, sometimes I'll throw ex, extra small dents in there for an, another reason. I saw a dent on the quarter panel, I'll fix that for the same price, whatever um, value add type of thing. But yeah, that's something that's very important. Give it, give it a cause, give it a reason. That way the price is always that, but I'll, I'll find you, you know, I'm doing 10% off for COVID or 19% off for COVID. I think is the thing that's going around right now, the COVID-19. Yeah. Um, big, a, a one inch dent, a small dent here. Let me, let me set the, set the stage here. Uh, a one inch dent, a door dent in theory, getting PDR done on that should cost more than it costs to body shop the panel in theory, right? If it's a one inch dent, because we can do it faster, we can do it cleaner. We don't have to strip the paint down all that stuff. I get there's a time factor in that. I'm not saying that every door ding can be a $1,200 job because, because they have to blend panels and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I think last I talked, you're actually working inside of a body shop. If I, if I'm correct, right. Um, you, the last renting, time you and I talked. Renting, yeah. We were renting out a spot inside uh, of a body right. shop. We actually sublease from a reconditioning shop. A recondition okay. So gotcha. So inside of a larger reconditioning shop. That's where, how we run our retail business. And are they doing body work there? Uh, they do. They have, they have uh, two paint booths and they have a uh, body shop team. Yes. Is there ever a situation when you're charging more for conventional and, and getting away with it? And then how do, how do they feel about that? Just out of curiosity. Um, so those guys, we, we have a really good partnership with them. Um, there is uh, no, they, they don't have a problem with that at all. Um, there are times when that happens there are times when we're having insurance companies approve things for, you know, sometimes higher than what they'll get for it. Um, and, and quite frankly, I think they're learning a little bit from us on, on that stuff, uh, which is great, but, um, yeah, that happens. They, there, there aren't any, any personal problems with that. I think, especially on the, on the upper level leadership, uh, typically those guys are businessmen and they're going, okay, wow, maybe there's a new way to do something. You know, I, there's some things I need to learn as well. Um, but theoretically based on what you said, yeah, I, in my opinion, PDR is worth more than collision repair or body work, right? It just is because we're able to do the same job, except we're able to do it without having to remove the original part or paint of the vehicle, which keeps the value intact. So why, why can't, if, if we have body shops that can fix and blend a dent uh, or, and, paint a, and paint a panel for 350 or $400, then why do our door dings start at 150 exactly. It's a great question. Exactly. I mean, theoretically, I'd love to start everything at bare minimum what the body shop gets. Um, but there are times, as we all know, that we can fix a small door ding in, in 30 seconds and, mm -hmm. and getting $150 to do that is, is some pretty incredible money. Um, and so I, that's why I tell my, my customers, all of my customers, including body shops and dealers that, uh, we are not always cheaper than a body shop. Um, there are times when we are, you know, I want to leave that door open that yes, I could, I fix a door ding for $150 in, in a few minutes. Yes, I can. And I, and I will. Um, but we're not always cheaper than a body shop. And there are many times when the damage that you have on your vehicle, uh, warrants you probably having a body shop repair just simply for the cost savings. No, but that, that really is a qualifier because I want to know if that customer, how bad that customer really wants not to paint their car. Mm -hmm. And when they come back to me and they say, well, I hear what you're saying and it would be cheaper, but I really don't want to paint my car. Then that's a green flag for me. That's my customer, you know? And uh, so I, I use that statement as a qualifier for some, some of my customers when they have large or severe damage. Gotcha. That's awesome. Um, how many, like if you're going to run, this is not a question I had down to ask, but it just popped in my head. If you're going to run, your shop or your day, how are you scheduling stuff out? Are you, um, are you doing like 
um, well, how do you schedule them out? Are you, are, if it's a two inch den or, or whatever, you're booking three of those a day. If it's a one big job, you section out the whole day. What's your thought process as far as like how to coordinate um, a schedule like that? And maybe thoughts on mobile as well. Cause you used to do that. Yeah. So um, with mobile, you have to be much more calculated um, and intentional with your schedule. Uh, but with retail, I mean, we pretty much everything comes to the shop. Um, as a matter of fact, we have a unique situation where, uh, some of the dealer cars that we work on actually come to the shop on a transport truck. Uh, since the reconditioning center brings them in anyway, we just do our PDR process on those cars as they go through the reconditioning process. Um, but uh, in general, I mean, we will schedule, um, we, we pretty much won't put a limit on retail schedule. And what we do is we typically will uh, talk to a customer in terms of as far as how long it'll take to repair the car. We'll talk to them in terms of hours to days is usually what we say. You know, we think we need a half a day with this vehicle, uh, or we think we need a full day with a vehicle, or we, we believe we can do this in two to three hours, right? And so typically people will drop their car and leave it. Uh, our shop in particular, uh, one shop has a loaner car that we offer. It's a, it's a vehicle that we lease and we just use it as a loaner. We offer that as a, as a, um, as a courtesy to the customers uh, because I want to take every obstacle out of the way for the customer to be able to say yes right now. And so uh, I can tell you that the, the very first month that we had that, that lease vehicle for a loaner, um, it didn't take long for it to pay for itself. You know, <laughs> if it lands us a, a single, I think our payment on it's like 330 bucks. So if it lands us a, a $330 job today because they have a loaner car and they can drive it, then we've paid our, our, our payment for the month, you know. Um, but it's, it's certainly done better than that. So uh, my goal is to make my, my customers' um, experience as fast and as easy and as uh, professional as I can. And I think that really is what driving us at this, what's driving us at this point. How do we make it faster and easier for the customer? Cause they live in a world of immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. Anything they need is at their fingertip, right in their pocket, you know? So uh, that's our, that's kind of our aim and our goal. That's fantastic. I mean, I am really happy you came on the podcast to um, help give perspective on this. Um, these are questions I've had in my mind for years now, and I'm glad I was able to ask them and then in a setting where other people can hear hear these questions and get perspective on, you know, how to use the how to use the price guide to get higher repairs, how to use it to set the rate, but you can also go to discount from it and um, yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. I'm super excited and I hope this helps as many people as listen to it. Glad to be here, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PDR coach podcast. If you got any value from this podcast and want to do something for me, the best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast and give me a rating and review. If you want to know more about me, you can find me on Instagram at dentprosack or on my website at coachcoreyk.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week.